30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard Riding the subway in New York, I used to see an interesting phenomenon. Most subway exits have a set of turnstiles with an emergency exit door somewhere nearby. Most of the time, commuters walk out through the turnstiles, but some of the time, a person will decide to exit through the emergency exit door instead. And when that happens, a new stream of commuters will split off from the pack and follow the leader, exiting through the emergency exit until the door closes and then everyone resumes, exiting through the turnstiles again. I've stood in subways and watched this happen repeatedly. The consistent stream of bodies passing through the turnstiles divides into two as one bold rebel pushes open that door and the new path exists for only as long as there is another person waiting to grab the door and keep moving through it. But once the door closes, the majority return to the path of least resistance. At least until another door opening rebel comes along. Today is June 10th, 2020. On May 25th, a white police officer in Minneapolis murdered a black man, George Floyd, in broad daylight. The murder was captured on video. That video threw fuel on the long-simmering flame of the Black Lives Matter protest movement, a movement that is an extension of the fight for liberation that started when the first African was stolen from their homeland. In recent years, the movement has flared up again and again, reignited each time the police senselessly murder another black human being, an event that occurs with sickening regularity. But this moment feels different. After suffering for four years under an openly white supremacist president and several months of an economically devastating pandemic, incompetently managed by that same white supremacist, America is a tinderbox, and this spark has set it ablaze. The door is now open. People are streaming through it into the streets, into social media feeds, into conversations, and into internal struggles with themselves as we all seek to disrupt the old pattern permanently and prevent that door from closing. So that's what I want to talk about today, on this podcast, in this ritual. How do we disrupt patterns? How do we create space for possibility, space for new, better patterns to emerge? And how do we stop the old pattern from reasserting itself the moment our attention drifts, our grip slips, and the door swings shut? But to do that, I need to start by being honest with you and with myself. I have two primary identities. One I forged for myself as a wizard, and the other I was born into as a white man. Both identities warp reality through occult forces, and by occult I mean hidden or obscure, 
the patterns we don't see or talk about or acknowledge. Being a white man, the world responds to me in a dramatically different fashion than it does for a person of color. It has shaped everything in my life, from the internal patterns of my own consciousness and personality to the social patterns that I play a part in every time I apply for a job, ask a question, or walk down the street. Any magic that I manifest as a wizard, any shift in reality I create through an act of will, rests on top of this larger pattern of white supremacy and privilege, which I benefit from tremendously, even when I might prefer to focus on the small part my conscious choices played rather than the vast role systemic privilege and institutional bias accounts for. But, as many white people in this country are now realizing, even if our choices and actions are shaped by and benefit from white supremacy, it doesn't mean our choices and actions are irrelevant. Actually, it means we have a fundamental obligation to use the power that comes with that privilege to dismantle white supremacy, to make the hard choices and take the right actions that move our society towards a new, more just pattern. But how do we do that? As a wizard, I feel like my gift and my curse is overthinking things. I always look for ways to zoom out and see the big picture, the larger pattern. In many ways, I feel this gives me a unique perspective, and it's one of the reasons why I created this podcast, so I could share my perspective and also speak with other people about their own unique views of the world, expanding my horizons and hopefully yours. But there are also times when this tendency hinders me. I hit analysis paralysis. I look over every option and see all the ways in which it's flawed or potentially problematic and overthink everything to the point of inaction. As a wizard and a white person in this particular moment, where the desire to do good and be helpful is weighed against my fear of being seen as a false ally, of centering the conversation on myself, of being problematic and performative in some other way, I felt paralyzed. I wondered whether I should reach out to a guest of color or if that would be tokenizing them, if I should halt from podcasting to make space for other voices, or if that silence was being complicit in the system of white supremacy, if I should speak from my own perspective like I'm doing now, or if it would be better to just reshare the resources a person of color who is smarter, more articulate, and more involved in the struggle has already done the work of preparing. Ultimately, I decided I'd rather do something and make mistakes than do nothing, which felt like the biggest mistake I could possibly make. So let's dive into my something, mistakes and all, which I felt was a necessary way to set the table for the ways in which this podcast and this ritual will seek to amplify and support the momentum of this movement in the weeks to come. I'm going to start by talking about my own internal process in the hopes that it resonates, especially if you're a fellow recipient of white privilege who's only offered token support to this movement before now, tuning in and out as desired, posting the occasional message of solidarity, and then taking a break whenever the outrage just felt too exhausting and inconvenient. My first action was non-action. I paused. If I want to be noble and self-congratulatory, I could say I paused because I wanted to take the time to listen, 
rather than react or jump to defend myself in my own egoic image. And while there's shades of truth in that, the truer truth is that I paused because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know which organizations to donate to first from the many lists being thrown around, or how to make a stand on social media without being problematic or performative. And I wasn't able to hit the streets in protest because my own life was on pause as I moved from New York City, my home for the last seven years, to Louisville, Kentucky, my new home that has also become an epicenter of this reignited protest movement after Louisville police stormed into Breonna Taylor's home and shot her dead a little less than two weeks before George Floyd's death. But whatever my own reasons, I think pausing is a legitimate strategy. White people are notoriously quick to jump into the fray and offer their opinion on matters of oppression, matters of which they have rather limited personal experience. And there's a difference between pausing to reflect versus extended inaction and indifference. Patterns are eager to reassert themselves, and often when we think we're disrupting one pattern, we're really just reinforcing it in a new form. But pausing, pausing creates space for possibility. It creates space for something new, something quieter and subtler to speak up. So I think pausing is important, as long as it's not a situation where there's only mere seconds to decide whether to speak up or become complicit in an act of injustice. But pausing and creating space only disrupts patterns when you follow it up with action. And while listening to rap music or watching a TV show with black actors won't disbranch racism on its own, I think it's incredible how many people are sharing articles, resources, and other forms of information that can help people implement new patterns. Patterns that black academics, intellectuals, activists, cultural creators, and organizers have been actively creating for generations. So after pausing to ensure you're truly acting, not simply reacting, I think engaging in new patterns is a critical step to disrupting the old ones. Read articles. Watch movies. Listen to people who have experiences, education, and insights that extend beyond your own. Expand your world and create more space for these new patterns to take root. But at some point, we do need to take action. One of the challenges of living in this age of information is that there's so much content, news, opinions, and perspectives being put forth in every waking moment. Just consuming content can feel exhausting. We read the news and get worn out by our own outrage before we even take action. And when taking on something as big as white supremacy and institutionalized police oppression, it's hard to know where to start. It's almost as if we're seeking to unhinge our jaws and take it all in in a single bite. But that rarely works out well. Like all meaningful changes we create through magic and other means, consistency is the key. Doing small things repeatedly over time builds new habits, whereas extreme changes, swearing up and down that when you get back from vacation, you'll run 10 miles every day and never eat takeout again, those fade astonishingly fast. Which is why I'd love to direct you to the doc linked in the description of this episode. Compiled by Adam Gupta and with Brianna Wallace's oversight, this document asks how much time you are willing to commit to racial justice each day. 10 minutes? 25 minutes? 45 minutes? 
It then proceeds to give specific actions for each day of the month, from reading and unpacking your own biases to concrete actions you can take to help nudge our system in the right direction. If, like me, you're upset and feel like you want to do everything you can, you might be tempted to go to the 45-minute route. But I'd suggest starting with 10. It's what I'll be doing, working through the 10-minute DAS for the next 30 days, doing my best to focus on consistency. Because knowing myself and knowing how many different activities, magical practices, life changes, and new habits I've aggressively and loudly taken on, only to quietly set down scant weeks later, I'm going to do everything I can to commit to consistency this time around. And I'm going to use this podcast to keep myself accountable. And that's the spell I'll offer to you all. There are so many resources out there right now. Finding information to take in and actions to take on isn't the challenge. There are people far more knowledgeable than I compiling lists and pointing the way for those looking to take direction. But as a wizard and as a white person looking to make changes that start with myself, I feel like the role I can play is helping us collectively make a commitment to truly shifting our reality and disrupting these patterns, not letting the door close behind us as soon as we get distracted by the next issue, the next trending topic, the next crisis, which will surely come sooner than later. So the magic spell I offer is this. Go to your calendar, whether that's on Google or on your wall, and make a note on October 22nd. Make a note reminding yourself to check back in and see what you've done to disrupt these patterns of oppression. What books have you read? What donations have you made? What actions have you taken? Again, the goal here isn't extremes, proving to yourself and everyone on your social media feed that you're the wokest motherfucker that's ever been, but rather accountability. Deciding today to make a shift and using October 22nd to check in and see how far you've come to ensure that those books that you ordered off Amazon today were actually read and didn't simply collect dust on your bookshelf. But why October 22nd? October 22nd was the day chosen by the October 22nd Coalition to Stop Police Brutality, Repression, and the Criminalization of a Generation, which emerged in 1996 from conversations among Pam Africa, from the International Concerned Family and Friends of Mumia Abu-Jamal and MOVE, Akil Aljunde from the Community Self-Defense Program, Angel Cervantes from Four Winds Student Movement, Omawale Clay from the December 12th Movement, Carl Dix from the Revolutionary Communist Party, and Keith McHenry from Food Not Bombs. These conversations centered on the need to meet the intensifying nationwide epidemic of police brutality with resistance on the national level. This was a day chosen 24 years before George Floyd was murdered in the streets of Minneapolis before Brianna Taylor was murdered in her bed, before Ahmaud Aubrey was murdered while jogging, and the countless other lives that we've lost to police brutality and institutionalized racism. But it's still a day and a cause that's relevant now more than ever, and one that we can hold on to for reflection, for protest, and for action. If you want to go the extra mile, write yourself a letter. Put ink to paper to express how you're feeling right now the changes you want to make, and the ways in which you hope to have disrupted your own patterns and the systemic patterns that we all take part in. 
write it down while the emotions are running hot and let it serve as an anchor as we continue to move one day at a time, one action at a time, one 10 minute act at a time towards October 22nd. Far too many lives have been needlessly lost opening the door for this revolution. But now that it's open, let's do our part and help keep it open. I believe in you. White supremacy is real. And only by dismantling it together can we create a world where magic is accessible for all. Thank you.